Hey, this is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of uh, Life Change Church. I want to thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I'd like to ask that uh, you would listen to Revelation chapter 1, which reminds us that there's a wonderful blessing that comes to those who read and study the Word of God and take it into your heart. So just as you listen to these podcasts, uh, just try to open your heart and receive the Word of the Lord. We believe it'll change and transform your life. Again, thanks so much for uh, checking these out. I pray you'll be greatly blessed by them. Thank you. God bless. Amen. Praise the Lord. Always want to receive blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So thankful for each and every one of you. I just really am so thankful for you. Just pray God's blessing uh, upon you. So thankful for all of you uh, online. Just just want the Lord to just bless you uh, greatly uh, in every way. I'm so thankful that uh, in these kind of crazy times that we're in to have the blessing of the Lord, aren't you? And I know that He's with us, that He's faithful, uh, that He uh, is round about us as the mountains are round about uh, Jerusalem. Just let me, uh, as we as we are uh, going through this time together this morning, just let me uh, encourage uh, all of you and all of you uh, online uh, to, uh, to, if you're online watching or even, or even right here, uh, to make sure that you like the video, uh, that you like the service, and you can do it right here as well. And if you like it, then share it. And, um, and you can do this, I'm, I'm learning all this stuff because I'm not very good at it, and I'm still not very good at it and probably never will, but I'm learning a little bit anyway, that you can, right in the middle of it, you know, if, if, if you feel like, man, that's good and the Lord's really speaking to you, you can right in the middle of it, share it, and that'll help, uh, easy thing to do to help more people uh, hear the gospel, because I'm a preacher of Jesus, I think my track record shows that, and I'm going to preach Jesus today, and I'm going to preach Him Till he takes me. And they can share it, we can share it, and they can listen and hear and hear uh, Jesus. Because I still believe uh, that Jesus saves. And that he changes lives. That he is our hope and our peace. That he is Lord and King. Uh, that he is uh, the only path uh, to, to uh, heaven, to the Father, to abundant life, to eternal life. Anybody believe that with me? Yes. Amen. Well, we are uh, talking about uh, the times because of these crazy times that uh, we're living in. Uh, and not only are they crazy, I think they're kind of significant and important uh, times uh, as well. And so the Holy Spirit uh, has seemed to stir up conversation about the times. And I say that because if you notice, I don't know if you do or not, but if you notice, it's not just us who are talking about the times. It's a lot of churches and a lot of preachers are talking about the times, and, and we didn't get together on a Zoom call and say, hey, let's all talk about the times. The Holy Spirit got us together, right, so that, so that we would all be stirred to uh, talk about these times that, uh, that uh, not only that we are in, but to stir us up to talk about the times uh, that are uh, to come. Now, talking about this and thinking about this, uh, let me just encourage you uh, this morning uh, to be in prayer uh, for our America to be in prayer uh, for uh, our nation. You know, there's a very important election uh, that is coming up uh, in November, and we need to start now uh, to cover this 
in prayer. So let me speak to your church and say, let's pray about this election that's coming up. Let me talk to you online and say we need to be praying about uh, what's going to take place uh, in uh, November. And not only do we need to be praying, but we also need in November, you know, if you're over 18, 18 or over, uh, you need to get out and vote. This is the one time, guys, if you're not over 18, where you don't have to listen to what I'm saying. You need to get out uh, and vote in November. I heard some numbers this past week that four years ago in the election that there were millions of Christians, millions, like 15 to 20 million Christians who didn't even vote. It's hard for me to not say shame on them, or maybe I just did in not saying it. We need to get out and vote especially if we are children of God, if we are those who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, let's pray, let's get out, or, you know, or, or however we need to do it. If you don't feel comfortable getting out, I understand that, but there's all kinds of ways uh, that you uh, can vote. Uh, so let's do this. Let's pray uh, for our coming uh, elections. Let's pray for our America. Let's get out and, and have our voice uh, counted. Let's make sure we're not in the millions who don't vote. Amen? Now, as we're talking about the times, uh, thank you for allowing me that. I, I, I still am a lover of the USA. I hope you are as well. As we, are, as we have been talking about the times, we have uh, moved in uh, to future uh, events. And what we have discovered is coming uh, in the future is that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is going to come and rapture, uh, snatch up uh, His church it's important to remember, I think, right here uh, to just remind us that, uh, that you know, we, we think of ourselves just as the church. Maybe we don't think of ourselves as highly as we should. Uh, that we are the wife, the bride, the body of Christ. You know, that Ephesians 5 tells us that, that as a husband and a wife come together and are one, uh, so the church comes together with Jesus. We are uh, in marriage covenant with Him, and as man and wife are one, so we are one with Christ. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, you know, we learn that Jesus is going to come and that He is going to call His church to meet Him in the air, and so shall we be forever with him. This lines up with, with John 14, where Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm coming back to take you to be with me, that where I am, you may be also. And we know that Jesus has gone, and we know that he is coming back. We know that he is returning. This lines up with Acts chapter 1, 9, 10, and 11, where they watch Jesus, the, 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 the apostles, the disciples, the first church, watch Jesus ascend into heaven, and then the angels appear as they're watching, and they say, look, he's coming back the way that he left. He is returning again. And his second coming begins with him coming and, and calling up the church, rapturing up the church that we might be together with him. Now this sets up the stage for 
For what we call the seven-year tribulation period, we kind of get that term from Revelation 7, 14, and also from, from, from Jesus in, in the Gospel of Mark. Um, number slips my head for some reason. 13, chapter 13, sorry about that. We get this from, from Jesus and from Revelation, and it is this, it is this seven-year, final seven-year uh, period of time that we learn about in Daniel uh, chapter 9. The 70th, uh, seven, 69 of these sevens have, have been completed. Uh, we are in God's patience in the church age. The final 70th seven is uh, coming. Now, an important passage of Scripture is... Uh, uh, to understand all of these things uh, is Second Peter three. In Second Peter uh, three, uh, we learn Second Peter three nine. Uh, we learn that we are in God's patience. Uh, that right now we God is waiting. God is patient. He is not bringing about this time of judgment where his his judgments and his wrath will be poured out on the sinful world. He is waiting because he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. So we live. We just got to keep saying this. We got to keep remembering it. We got to keep declaring it that we live in the time of God's salvation. We live in the day where God will hear us and God will help us. We live in the day where everyone anywhere who will call on his name shall be saved. Hallelujah. That's good shouting stuff. That's like make you, make you want to jump right there. I'll just do one jump just because you guys aren't quite as radical as I am yet. But no, I'm just kidding. Praise the Lord. This is, this is wonderful truth, right? But we know from 2 Peter 3 that this day will come to an end. God in His wisdom and in His justice knows when His patience is, is justly satisfied and when the time has come for these final events to take place. Now we have gotten into this tribulation period of time. And last Sunday we came to the end of chapter 16. Which, is, which really brings us uh, to uh, the final battle. The final confrontation really sets up for us what, we, uh, what, what you're probably familiar with as the battle of Armageddon. Uh, we call it that because that's what scripture says. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Call something that because that's what, it, that's what it's called. Mm. In, uh, in Revelation 6, 16, uh, 16, now what has happened in chapter uh, 16 <coughs> is the, uh, the final plagues of God's judgment and wrath have been, have been poured out in the form of seven bowls that have been given to seven angels. And then there, there are, John sees these three spirits that look like frogs that come out of the mouth of the dragon, Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist, the lawless one, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, the uh, the you know the prophet of the the false prophet of the dragon and of the beast and what these frogs mission is is to is to go out into the nations and to deceive them to to bring them together in a conflict in a war against the king of kings 
and against the Lord of Lords, right? And they're able, they're successful in doing this so that there's going to be this final battle that takes place, the battle of Armageddon, the armies of the beast and, and the, the Antichrist against the armies of Christ and the armies of heaven. You know, I don't know, who do you think is going to win, right? I'll just go ahead and, I'll just go ahead and spoil it for you, okay? Jesus comes with us, the church, the armies of heaven, and he is easily victorious. All right, this battle is going to take place, and Jesus is going to win. Sorry to spoil it for you, but it doesn't really spoil it for you, right? He is going to be victorious. He is going to win. Now, now some people would say, I don't believe any of this. I don't think any of that is going to take place. I don't think any of this is going to happen, right? This is just all myth. It's Mother Goose. It's, it's fiction. It's dreamed up by some fairy tale by men. But I'm telling you this morning that this is not. This is, this is as certain as we are standing here, right? We know this as clearly as we know history that has passed. We know these future events that will take place. This battle is going to take place. The world and the world system, the Antichrist will be defeated. Jesus will be victorious. And you want to be standing with the armies of heaven and not standing with the armies of this world. Hey, yeah. Hallelujah. I don't know what's wrong with me. Praise you, Jesus. I want to be, I want to be coming with the armies of heaven. All right, I want to be riding on a right, I want to be riding on a white horse. I want to be in Jesus' camp. That's where we want to be. I just, I'm stirred up about this, right? Because I, I feel like people want to play games with Jesus. And they, and, they, and they want to dance with the world and dance with Jesus and, and maybe try to slide into heaven. I don't want to be caught in that mess. I want to be clearly in His camp. It's not a time to be caught lukewarm. It's not a time to be a lover of this world. The things and the events of this time that we are living in, of 2020, they need to stir some fire and passion down inside of the people of God where we don't want to ride on some worldly horse. I want to be riding on a white horse clothed in the garments that Jesus has given me. I want to show up in that battle and be victorious. And the side that's going to win is the side of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is your faith and trust in Him? Is He Lord and Savior? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If it's not, good news! This is the day of salvation. You can call out on Him right now. Put your faith and trust in Him. For everyone today who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's just do it right now. If you've not trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you're online this morning and you've not trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but today you want to know that you know that you know that you're not marching with the armies of this world, that you are counted among the armies of our God, then let's pray together this morning. Let's call out on the name of Jesus. Let's invite Him into our hearts as Lord and Savior. Make Him King of our lives. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? Let's just bow our heads and pray. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. And I know that I need you. Jesus, I open my heart. And I ask you to come in. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my King. 
be my God. I give you my life. I give you my everything. I will live for you. And someday, I will reign with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That is not in my notes, okay? We'll just let the Holy Spirit lead sometimes, right? Praise the Lord. Now, this battle is arranged here and, and, and set in motion in chapter 16. And then, then what often happens here in, in the book of Revelation is, is there's like a pause in the narrative or, or a pause in the, in the story and John sees another vision that is needed and, and relevant, but, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this exactly follows after that. It's just more information that, that we need to understand. This is, this is what happens here in chapter 17 and 18. So you got to get back to chapter 19 before we kind of pick up uh, this battle that's going to take place, uh, the battle uh, of Armageddon. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to move over 17 and 18, and and some point in time, I, I would like to get back into that, uh, you know, down the road, maybe on Sunday morning, maybe covered on Wednesday night, but honestly, it probably takes like its own uh, sermon series to go through 17 and 18 and to, and to understand this and to... Uh, and to explain it and break it down. But I will say to you that, that what John sees is, is a woman who, who represents the, the, the anti-God, anti-Christ system of this world. It's like, it's like the opposite of the church if you will. It's like the, the church, the wife and the bride of Christ, and then there is this, this another woman that is adulterous and prosperous that has run to the, uh, to the false religions and, and false prophecies and, and false doctrines and, and sinful world system. And it represents uh, her, uh, that's what she represents, and, and we see here her judgment and her destruction uh, that then uh, sets the stage for what we come into here in uh, chapter 19. So this, this judgment on her has, has taken place, and here comes uh, chapter uh, 19. I'm just going to start, uh, I, I just want to start reading through chapter uh, 19, but before I do, I just, I, I want to, I just want to kind of give us something here as context, if you will, for chapters 19, 20, 21, and 22. I think that this is so important. These, these last four chapters of Revelation, you need to spend some time reading these studying these, meditating on these. I'm not saying you need to memorize these four. If, if you can do that, that would be awesome. But I feel like every Christian needs to be able to mentally think their way through chapter 19, 20, 21, and 22 and need to be able to say, well, this is what happens here and this is what's coming here and this is what takes place here and this is what happens in this place. And, and the reason why is because of this verse in chapter 21, chapter 21, verse 7. Revelation 21, uh, verse, verse 7. Which says this. He who overcomes will inherit all this, 
and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Or, or to those who, who are victorious or who overcome, I will be their God, and they will be my children. So it speaks, speak, God speaks to us of inheritance here. And he shows us that, that, that this is what is going to be the inheritance of his saints of his people, that those who overcome, that those who are victorious, that those who set their mind on Christ and live for Jesus, this is what is coming for them. This is what is coming for us. Those who are victorious will inherit. This is so important right here. They will inherit all of this. And, will, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So you, so you read Revelation 19 and 20 and 21 and 22, and you need to be able to think your way through it and, 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 and know what is coming to you as your inheritance. You need to know your inheritance. You need to know, you need to know what awaits you. You need to understand the, the glorious inheritance that is the saints. This is one of the things that Paul would pray for the church in the book of Ephesians. He tells us this in Ephesians 1, 15, 16, 17, 18. He says, he says to the church, he reminds them that he prays and he says, I keep on asking that, 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 our, that the God of our Lord and Savior Christ, Jesus Christ will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will know him better. And then he said this, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened or enlightened in order that you would be able to see the glorious inheritance that is the saints, that is ours, that is for us. It's this inheritance. We need to know it and we need to see it because our enemy will try to get us to despise it and to lay it down, and to reject it, and to walk away from it, and not value it. But we, if we see the inheritance that is coming to us, which is revealed to us in 19 through 22, and in many other scriptures, then we will so treasure this inheritance that we will not be Esau's and despise our birthright. You remember in Genesis chapter 25, we are, we are, uh, we are introduced to, to Jacob, I mean to, uh, to Isaac and Rebekah's children, Jacob and Esau. Remember, these guys are twins, and Esau comes out first, so he's the firstborn, even though it was just by, you know, minutes. He's, he's the firstborn. Well, these two grow up in Genesis chapter 25, and, and we know that Esau as the firstborn, and Jacob is the secondborn, just barely. Just barely. Probably driving him crazy, right? He's, he's only, everybody would be like, well, this is my firstborn. And be like, yeah, but he's only minutes older than me. You know, I mean, come on, right? So, so Jacob, Jacob, he sees this and he wants it. He wants this inheritance. He recognizes the value of the inheritance of the firstborn, but Esau does not. And you know the story, Esau comes out of the fields one day because he's a hunter and he's hungry and he's famished and Jacob's got a fire going and he's got stew on the fire and, and, and sides for the stew and Esau comes up and he says, Jacob, give me something to eat, man. I'm hungry. I'm about to die here. And Jacob seizes the opportunity. 
He recognizes that here is a moment for him to try to get Esau's birthright, to try to get his inheritance. And so Jacob says to Esau, sure, man, you can have whatever you would like to eat, but just sell me your birthright. Give me the right of the firstborn. I want the triple-double portion. I want the inheritance, man. Give it to me. I'll give you the stew. And Esau says this. He says, what good is, it, is a birthright to me if I'm dead? He says, give me the stew and you can have my birthright. And so, and so Genesis 25 ends by saying Esau despised his birthright. And there are so many who do not recognize our birthright in Christ, our inheritance in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the inheritance that is the people of God's, the saints, and they trade it for things of this world that amount to no more than stew. Esau should have been like, man, you cannot, you cannot have my birthright. I will not surrender it. I will not let it go. Though you slay me, I will not despise my inheritance. I'm not letting go of this or giving up on it. But Esau despised it. It wasn't valuable to him. But if we read Revelation 19 and 20 and 21 and 22, I don't see how we can get through that without recognizing our glorious inheritance. And saying, I will not despise it. There is nothing this world can offer me. Nothing that it can give me. There's nothing that I'll lay it down for that I can face. I will not despise my inheritance. For me is is life forever with Christ. It is a crown. It is a home. It is it is riches. It is it is power. It is it is blessing. I will not lay it down or despise it for anything. Paul got a glimpse of this. He could look up. He saw it. He saw what was to come. And that's why Paul was able to say in 2 Corinthians 4, you remember he talks about being hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. And then he ends 2 Corinthians 4 by saying this. He says, look, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He said, this is why we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. It's stew. It's bread. It perishes. It goes away. It is not worth trading my inheritance for. I fix my eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. My eternal home. My eternal inheritance. And I say to this world, you have nothing for me. And I say to every struggle and trial and suffering that I will face for the cause of Christ, I say it is worth it because it purchases for me this, my inheritance, my eternal home that is worth far more than anything this world has to offer. You say, Pastor, what is it? Go and read the end of Revelation and you will see what is yours in Jesus Christ, what awaits you. Now, as we look in here to Revelation 19, we will, we will bump into to our inheritance here again, but, but all of this is part, is part of this. Let's just start reading here at verse 1. I'm going to read out of, out of my Bible. Dave's going to keep up here on the screens. Um, you know, just for your information, my Bible is an older 
NIV translation. This is a newer one, so there are a few little differences in them. I'll point them out if I know them. Chapter 19, verse 1. After this, you know, after these events of, of, of 17 and 18 and, and of 16 that set up here the battle of Armageddon here in chapter 19. After this, I heard, I love this, what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting. We're going we're gonna to bump into some, some hallelujah worship here. And I hope it gets in all of our business because this is, this is worship in heaven and it's loud and it's passionate. And they are shouting hallelujah, which I'm sure you know means praise the Lord. So it's this, it's this praise the Lord exclamation point that comes out as a shout from a great multitude that sounds to him like a roar in heaven. And they say this, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. So, so it's praise the Lord, exclamation point, because salvation and power and, and glory and power belong to our God for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries, this other woman that we already talked about a little bit. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And and again, they shouted, hallelujah. And smoke from her goes up forever and ever. So she's she's been judged and there is... And there is worship in heaven to God who is just and true. And then in verse 4, we come into the 24 elders again. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God. So almost every time, right, we bump into these 24 elders, they are falling down and worshiping God. So... Maybe that should be something that we often do. They fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. So so they say, you know what Amen means, right? It's it's, it's a powerful, needed, important word. It's very powerful right here. Amen means means yes. I, I agree. This is true. This is right. So what has just been declared about God and about his judgment, they are saying, they are saying yes to this. And then they are saying, praise the Lord. So, uh, so this, this woman, this, this prostitute, this adulteress, uh, this who has corrupted the earth, uh, has been judged and there is praising God in heaven, and then there's the 24 elders and the four living creatures, and they're saying, they're, they're giving their approval and saying yes to this. They're agreeing with this, declaring, yes, this has happened. Yes, this is right. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Now, that, that is significant, right? Because, because there is, in our time that we are in right now, right, the belief, everything goes round and round, nothing's ever going to change. Yes, 
They're said that God's bringing judgment, but we don't think it's ever going to happen. The world, the world system, the ways of the world have gone on. They're going to continue to go on. And if God does come against us, we don't know if he'll be able to be victorious or not. And here they're saying that she's been judged and God's judgment is, is just. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures are saying, yes, yes, we agree. This declaration is true. This has happened. If we don't think this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Then a voice from the throne, a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Just this declaration to to praise the Lord. And then, verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah, praise the Lord. So there is this this angel that proclaims from the throne of God, worship, praise the Lord, and the And the the multitude in heaven responds by saying hallelujah and praising the Lord. Amen. Like some of us, you know, when the worship leader says praise the Lord, we're like, I ain't doing it. I ain't going to do it because you told me to. But but something about this angel is going to stir that right up out of us. And we say, she say, pray, worship leader says, come on, clap your hands, clap your hands, clap your hands, all you people. And, and they're, I'm not doing it. I'll clap my hands if I want to. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But, but here, all that's gone out of us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You got to have your toes stepped on every now and then, right? And you just saying, come to church real good. And they say, hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. So here we get this look at the, at the wedding supper of the Lamb, where we, the church, are having a wedding celebration with, with, with the Lamb. Uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and, and we are rejoicing and we are glad. There's just this great joy because this has come. And here, let me just point this out to you because I think this is important. Here in verse 7, it says, For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. I, I think maybe that word bride uh, right there is... is uh, is, it's okay translation, but it could be better. It actually is more clearly translated wife. Cause, cause, and, and the reason I, I like the difference, right? Because, uh, because uh, before I got married, I, I could refer to Joy as my bride. She's, she's, she's going to be my bride. But, but I never did refer to her as my wife. But after we got married, she's my wife. More than just my bride, so bride could like could like uh, hold this thought that that 
they're not married yet. But wife says that this marriage has already taken place, right? Which lines up with Ephesians 5, that the church, we're more than just the bride of Christ, like we're going to someday be married. We right now are the wife. We right now are in covenant with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not someday we will be one. It's right now we are one with Jesus and someday we will have a great celebration of our covenant, of our marriage. You see your inheritance, dressed in fine linen, uh, given, given to wear, the, and, then, and, the, and the fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the, of the saints. So in Christ Jesus, we have been given power to do what is right. And we do it. And we are clothed in that. In verse 9, it says, Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. He will, and he added, These, these are the true words of God. Do you see? Do you see your inheritance popping out here from Scripture? And the blessing that comes to those who have been invited to the supper of the Lamb. In verse 10 it says, At this I fell at his feet to worship him, this angel. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God! Exclamation point. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So there is this, John, John, you know, probably so overwhelmed by these events and this magnificent angel that he actually falls down to worship him, but this angel says to him, don't do this, man, I am with you. I'm just a servant like you are. And he declares to him, worship God. He says, I'm just one of those like you who hold on to the testimony of Jesus and worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The prophets, the law, this book, out of it, this testimony is Jesus, Jesus Jesus, 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 Jesus. We proclaim Him and we hold fast to Him. If we want to know what to do in these times that we live in, hold fast to the testimony of Jesus and worship God. Verse 11. Now, now we start getting into this. Uh, let me take a coffee break. We start getting into this coming together of the battle of Armageddon and, and now, that, now that this has taken place now John gets another look at Jesus he says I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with his justice he judges and makes war you know, we just sang this song this morning about great is his faithfulness and then joy got up, you know, moved by the Holy Spirit to point that out to us and hear again in Scripture. Maybe just something today that we need to hear that he is faithful and true and great is 
his faithfulness. So John sees Jesus, he is on a white horse, he is faithful and true. This, this white horse represents conquest, it represents battle, that he's coming as a conqueror. He's called faithful and true, and, and he is just, and he judges, and he makes war. And I, I just say again that I, I want to be in his army. I don't want to be the one that he's making war against. I want to be making war with him. Listen to this. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. Right, Because we're going to learn here in a second that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. And this, this could actually be translated, there is a, a, a bit of a plural in this language, so you could say names. That he has names written on him that no one knows but he himself. Now, it's one of the things that are debated, and, uh, and, and, and some people think that, uh, that this is a, it's a secret name, that no one knows because it's secret except for you know, he himself. I don't think that's right. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a name that, that is so deep that it can't be comprehended, that, that we can't know it. It's like, it's like the angel that showed up and announced uh, the, uh, the, the, the birth of, um, of Samson, and, and, and Manoah asked his name, and, and he said, I, I can't even tell it to you because you can't even comprehend it. You can't even, you can't even know it. Jesus has names written on him that, that, that we can't even know, that we can't even comprehend, such as the awesomeness and, and the unsearchableness of our God. Verse 13, he's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. So just if we weren't sure that this was Jesus, he comes in, his, in, in the blood of the Lamb, and, and reminding us of redemption and reconciliation, and his name is the Word of God. You remember John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here he is, coming on a white horse as a conqueror. Out of his mouth... Verse 15, comes a sharp sword with which he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I think I missed a verse, I'm sorry. I missed 14. Can't miss 14. Verse 13, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. Verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Now here we have the armies of heaven that are with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so when Jesus returns, the, his second coming, right? You could, you could break it down into two parts. There's going to be the rapture of the church, and we will be with him forevermore. And then when he returns to, to face the beast, oh no, the beast, he is going to return with the armies 
of heaven. Now, I don't know if there will be angels there in, in this or not, but I know that we are there in this. If you, if you were to look back to Revelation 17, 14, in the middle of John's seeing this vision, it says this, they will make war against the Lamb, the the you know the beast and the armies of the world and 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 everybody like on his side will make war against the lamb but the lamb will overcome them because he is lord of lords and king of kings and with him will be will be his called chosen and faithful followers so coming with Jesus riding also on white horses to conquer are his called faithful and chosen followers and i ask you ask you today is that you is that you online are you his called faithful chosen follower if you're not sure you can be today because today is the day of salvation And if something stirs inside of you this morning and says, I want to be among that number. I want to be His called, faithful, chosen servants. That is the Holy Spirit moving on you. That is Him calling you to be one of His chosen, faithful servants. So do not put off the day of salvation. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Open up your life and make Him Lord and Savior today. Call on His name and you will find salvation. We see the armies of heaven coming. And then we see out of His mouth comes a sharp sword which will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on His robe and on His thigh. He has this name written. If we weren't sure, here it is again. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. And the beast is about to find out that He is not King of Kings and Lord of of lords and the nations of this world are about to find out that their declaration in chapter 13 who is like the beast and who can make war against him is not true that it should be who is like our god and who can make war against him now now here comes in these next verses that follow uh, the uh, uh, the battle uh, that takes place which it looks to me like we, the church, will observe as Jesus with the sword in his mouth defeats the nations, captures the beast, captures the false prophet, and throws them forever into, this is verse, verse 20, throws them alive, into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them in 21 were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. And then as we end chapter 19, this this battle is over 
As we get into chapter 20, you can read this on your own, but I'll just, I'll just tell it as a conclusion here today that, that sets us up for next Sunday, that then there is an angel sent from heaven with a, with a great chain, and he gets the dragon that is Satan, and he binds up the dragon that is Satan for a thousand years and throws him into the abyss and then locks the abyss and seals it for a thousand years where he will be bound and sealed for a thousand years until until the appointed time for him to be released one more time. But we'll focus on that next Sunday. But we see here that the dragon has been taken care of. In this battle, the beast has been taken care of. In this battle, the false prophet has been taken care of. In this battle, the armies that have come against the armies of God and our king, who is king of kings and lord of lords, has been taken care of in this battle. And Jesus is victorious And all those who are riding on white horses with him are victorious as well. Now this is the fulfillment of a prophecy that is prophesied all the way back in the book of Psalms. Psalm uh, chapter 2. I'm going to turn there and I'm going to read it. Again, it's going to be up there on the the screen uh, trying to... to uh, show you that this thing is, has, has been prophesied, that it is going to be uh, fulfilled. And, and in the middle of this, we are reminded of who we are and our inheritance. And this morning, we gotta, we, and as we finish out this series, we got to recognize that this is our inheritance and it is priceless and I will not despise it for anything the enemy has to offer or any of the treasures of this world. Psalm chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. See, maybe you've read this before and it didn't make any sense to you, but now you recognize that it makes sense. It's, it's prophesying these nations gathering together and it's kind of funny, coming against the Lord and his anointed one. It, it's, it, it's funny to us, but, but they're going to be so deceived, they're going to believe who is like the beast and who can make war against him. We're going to gather our armies together and we're going to fight against God and we're going to throw, overthrow him. Verse 3, let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters, the the Holy One and His Anointed One. The one, verse 4, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. God's like, come on, really? Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill, so that the king of heaven will now be installed as the king of earth. God says this will take place. And we say, man, that doesn't seem right or just or fair. But the 24 elders and the four living creatures would disagree with you because they declared over God's judgments and over his wrath, amen. Yes, this is right. We agree with this. This is true. He will install his king 
to rule and reign on earth. You can, you can read another prophecy of this in Zechariah chapter 6, if you, you know, if you have time in your busy schedule. Verse 7, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. Does that, you remember what it said in 19? With an iron scepter, and you will dash them to pieces like poverty. Like pottery. <laughs> Jesus is going to, he's going to, he's, God's speaking to his son. And he says, I'm going to make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You're going to rule them with an iron scepter. You'll dash them to pieces like pottery. Now you think, this is speaking to Jesus. And of his inheritance. And Jesus says in 19 that he's going to come and that he's going to rule like, an, like with an iron scepter. But what we need to understand, church, is that we are now with Christ. We are one with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Scripture says this, that we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. So that his inheritance... is my inheritance. And that when He's victorious, I'm victorious. And that what He is given, we are given. And that what He reigns over, we reign over. What is His possession is my possession. What is His home is my home where He has authority. I have authority. He rides on a right horse. I ride on a white horse. This is our inheritance. If you don't believe me, let's look at Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. And we could go on and on and on, but, but I'm done. Revelation chapter 2. This is Jesus speaking to the, to the church, the church uh, in Theatra. And he says this in verse 26. says, to him who overcomes... Or, or the new NIV may say victorious. Those are both good translations, right? If we're going to be victorious if we overcome. We need, to, we need to persevere and stand and make sure that we overcome the world and are not overcome by the world because it has nothing for us that it comes any, anywhere near our inheritance. It's just stew and bread compared to the birthright that we have in Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 26, he says, To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. It's Psalm chapter 2, the fulfillment of that prophecy. It is our inheritance because it is his inheritance. And we are not only his bride, but we're the, the, his wife, his church, his body. We are one co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give to him the morning star. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear 
what the Spirit says to the churches. Our inheritance, our inheritance is priceless. What we have in Jesus Christ, the world has nothing that can even come close to comparing to what we have and to who we are and to what is to come because of the blood of the Lamb. That He has purchased us for God. That He has brought us into Himself. And we are one with Him. We are co heirs with Jesus. This is our birthright and we must not despise it. We cannot sell it. What can we sell it for? It's priceless. What can the enemy offer us? What can this world lay at our feet? It's worth every struggle, every trial, everything that we will ever face to someday ride in to battle with the King of kings and the Lord of lords on our white horse that he has given us clothed in garments that are gifts from him. Our inheritance is priceless. Church, people of God, people of God, do not ever lay it down. Do not despise it. It is worth more than anything that could ever be offered you. This is probably something that Job saw. This is why he said, Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. This is why Paul said, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. This is why he declared in Philippians, in Philippians 3, he said, He said, I count everything as loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. There's nothing more beautiful, nothing more worthy, nothing more wonderful than living my life wholeheartedly for Christ. Someday there may be struggling, there may be sorrow, there may be difficulty. We face a world that is anti-us because it's anti-Jesus. He said the world's going to hate you because it first hated me. But it's worth going through all of that for our inheritance, for our heavenly home. To be with him forever and ever and forevermore we shall be. This is why in Philippians 3, Paul Paul calls out to the people. And he says this, he says, I have often told you this. And I now say again, even with tears. He says, I'm saying it even with tears. He said, many, 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 many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Why? Why be an enemy of Christ? Why not serve him? He says many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He said their destiny is destruction. He could look and see it, right? It makes more sense when we know the end. He could look and see that if you line with the armies of this world who are going to rage against Christ, your destiny is destruction. He said their, their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. But we are not of them. Our inheritance and our hope and our vision is looking to eternity, looking to our inheritance. And I'll tell you this morning again, this I think is the third time, that today, today is the day of salvation. We live in God's patience. 
You do not have to be an enemy of Christ. All you have to do is call on his name and he will come and save you from sin, save you from the dragon and the beast and the false prophet, save you from the woman's system of this world, the adulterous woman's system of this world and bring you into abundant life into eternal life, make you his bride, one with him, co-heirs with Christ. And your inheritance is his inheritance. And his inheritance is your inheritance. Today, listen to me online. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Open it up. And invite him in. Cry out to him and make him your Lord and your Savior. Listen to me, all those who who may have gravitated down into the lukewarm place. This is not a time for that. It's time to stir yourself up out of it. Jesus said, Jesus said, repent. He said, I'm at the door, I'm knocking. Open the door and I'll come in. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have relationship with you. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day we don't know about tomorrow, but we've got right now. I promise you, you have these moments right now to get your life right with Jesus and to put your hope and trust in him and make him your Lord and your Savior. He wants you to ride on a white horse with him into battle. Don't be an enemy. Don't be an enemy. Be a part of his army. Be a citizen in his kingdom, a child in his household. Be his body, his bride. Put your trust in him today. Let's pray. If you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, and I hope you do, just pray with me today. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I don't want to be your enemy. I want to be your friend. I call out to you today. I give you my life. I ask you to save me from my sins from my enemy, from this world. Make me yours. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me and purify me. Make me white as snow. I give you my life. I declare today that I believe in you, that you are the only begotten Son of God, King of kings, and Lord of lords. And I say today that today and forevermore, you will be my king and my Lord, that I am your servant called by your name, and I will live for you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen, saints, you've got a glorious inheritance. Don't ever despise it or sell it for anything. Hold to it and treasure it with everything you have. It's a time to live passionately for the Lord. Let's go and do it this week. God bless you. Have a great week. Tune in Wednesday night. I'll see you here Sunday.